0: Welcome back to the Taste of the Wind podcast, a podcast where we talk about all things ethical and local food production, including nutrition and ways to eat awesome food. Thanks for your patience. I've been kind of off the record for a couple months. We are pregnant with our very own baby boy and I'm about six and a half months along. We are super excited and we can't wait. Uh, We'll be having that baby around the month of October, November. So I was so excited to put this episode together with Megan Badger. Mama Eats and MamaEats.com. You can find her on Instagram. That's MamaEats with two S's on the end. Megan is a nutritional therapy practitioner dedicated to helping moms achieve healthy pregnancies and have healthy, beautiful babies. When you hear her story, I bet you will be just as inspired as I was. She's overcome some um, insane roadblocks to having her own healthy baby And she pulled it off in 2020. She also gives us some awesome tips for how to find nutrient dense foods and how to keep our diets as clean and free of toxins as possible. So, I hope you're looking forward to this episode. I had a blast, and I just didn't want Megan to stop talking. She has so much insight. So, I hope you enjoy. And I'll talk to you again at the end. Quick little plug for a giveaway that Megan and I are teaming up to offer until the thirty-first of August. So you have about two weeks left to enter our giveaway. You can find that link to enter the giveaway on my bio, and I put it in the show notes as well. So go to my bio on Instagram. That's Taste of the Wind three o seven on Instagram, and uh, we are offering. A free fertility consult with Megan, which is around $200 value. And then we're also offering a pregnancy support package of our products, plus a few of the things I'm using myself. So we look forward to giving that away to a lucky mama-to-be or mama who is right now. And I hope you enjoy the episode. (music) I want to know where you're from, um, how you got into h- hormone and fertility management with nutrition and a little bit of background on you and your family and stuff, anything you care to share. Sure. Um,
1: so my name is Megan Badger and I live in upstate New York. Um, so I'm about three hours North of New York city. Okay. Um, so, um, yeah, so I live there with my husband, uh, Adam, and then my son Carter. He is almost two, and we have one dachshund named Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we live in a suburb area, and um, my interest and you know dedication to fertility, nutrition, and hormones and pregnancy and postpartum came from my own struggles. So this is not my, um, this was not like my career. This is not what I went to go into. I'm actually a teacher. Um, and I've been a teacher for 11 years now. And in 2018, my husband and I got pregnant and everything seemed fine. And then at 13 weeks, just shy of 13 weeks, um, I had a miscarriage,
0: oh, um,
1: and it resulted in, uh, hospitalization. I ended up hemorrhaging and I lost some less blood that I passed out and I hit my head. And, oh, um, my it was a very traumatic miscarriage and it was also very late in the pregnancy, um, to be having, um, a miscarriage. Um, unfortunately the hospital that I went to when that happened did not have, um, an OBGYN on staff, so they didn't like test any of anything to like see why it happened. Wow. So I was basically kind of just left on my own to, you know, investigate and push doctors to run tests. So I did do follow ups with my, uh, my OBGYN and my regular doctor, and all I kept hearing was like, oh, totally normal, one in four happens to everyone. You know just try again you'll be fine and um, I really pushed doctors to run things like a full thyroid panel and um, because I had bled so much I wanted to have like clotting panels run and um, like my TSH at the time was like 4.3 or something which is like considered normal but not normal for fertility reasons you know Um and I had a lot of things that were just off, but the doctors were basically just like, you're fine, like, you'll, you'll get pregnant. So, like, flash forward, I start listening to, like, fertility podcasts. Like, I'm, like, very type A, like, I want answers. So um, anytime I was in my car, I was listening to podcasts. I was reading books. I was researching. I was trying to find out why this would be happening to me and to other women. Um, And then I continued to go on and not get pregnant for a really long time. I did not get pregnant again until 2020. Um, So it was lots of months of negative pregnancy tests, lots of emotions, lots of living under constant stress, you know, wondering and hoping I would get pregnant. Um, So I decided to um, take the Nutritional Therapy Association's practitioner training, um, and that's how I became a nutritional therapy practitioner, which is what my technical um, certification is in. And then I kind of continued studying and learning um, more fertility-based nutrition um, and realized that doctors don't know a lot of shit. (laughs) And (laughs) they get very, very, very minimal nutrition training in the years and years that they go to school to be doctors, they get very minimal nutrition training. And don't get me wrong, like, if there's an emergency, I want a doctor there, you know, like, they are very knowledgeable and helpful in certain ways. But when it comes to, nutrition and when it comes to um understanding and supporting the body as a whole system i think that there's a lot of lacking education there um so i started to learn things about estrogen dominance and how hypothyroidism and hashimoto's thyroid conditions really play into your fertility i learned so much about pcos and other metabolic conditions that impact your hormones Um, things like iron overload because we're you know eating so many foods that are just fortified with iron or um you know nutrition deficiencies from the foods we eat and the type of lifestyle that we live and i quickly worked, learned and realized that the life i was living was like a constant stress and i think that for a lot of my clients they think of stress as emotional stress or stress from your job or stress from a relationship or stress like money stress but there's so many different ways that stressors affect our body, and it's not just the mental load of stress. It's things like under eating, um, you know, relying on like processed foods, not getting enough sleep, sitting at a computer inside for eight hours a day and not getting outside, um, either over exercising, like to the point of doing hit workouts six days a week, which is what I would do, Or, on the opposite end of that, not even moving your body at all. These are all stressors on our body. And then we have other things like toxins that we're exposed to that we don't even... Sometimes we recognize we're being exposed toxins in our water, toxins in our food, chemicals that we're eating, literally things that are in our makeup, shampoo, conditioner, all of that adds a toxic load on our body that we have to then process. And when you add on all these stressors all at once, our poor body is just like, what the heck is going on? Like I can't handle all this stress and the way it handles stress is to only prioritize keeping you alive and unfortunately reproductive health is not one of those things that keep you alive so this is why we see women that don't ovulate they have a regular cycle they develop pcos they have imbalanced hormones because our your body is so stressed it it literally can't prioritize trying to grow another human it's just prioritizing the functions it needs to keep you alive
0: surviving so
1: (laughs) So, long-winded answer but that's kind of how I got to where I am and Through my nutrition training and everything, I learned how to heal my body, and I was told that I wouldn't get pregnant because my whole uterus was filled with fibroids, which was stopping basically stopping an embryo from being able to implant, and that could have also been some scar tissue from my last miscarriage, but there was also fibroids, and they were they basically told me I had to have surgery, but they weren't doing any surgeries because of COVID, because it was considered an elective surgery, and they were only doing mandatory surgeries. So basically, they were like, yeah, you just got to like wait. And I was like, well, I'm not doing that. So <laughs> I changed the way I ate, changed the way I lived, and I got pregnant on my own and had wow. a healthy baby boy. And since then have continued to implement this and helped tons of other women who have come from multiple pregnancy losses, um, PCOS, you know, thyroid conditions, all heal and get pregnant. Um, So that's kind of what my page Mama Eats is all about. And then um, I just wanna help women get pregnant, avoid going through the turmoil and hurt that I went through, and then also have healthy babies.
0: That's awesome. Well, thank you for not letting all of your trials and struggles go to waste. That's so, oh my gosh, I I had no idea that your story was that deep. So thank you for sharing that. That's awesome. Yeah. And that actually gets us off to a great start because I wanted to talk about so many of the things that you mentioned in that intro. (laughs) But um, we had... A lot of interest, I posted on my story a couple times that we were going to do this interview, and a lot of people are interested. I'm 28, and I have a lot of friends in that same age bracket, so we're all kind of in that stage of life where forming a family is kind of on our minds, and we're planning for that, or we're in the process. Um, I'm six and a half months pregnant myself, so I've really been paying close attention to what I'm eating, what I'm not eating, toxin loads and trying to get just clean up things. And I'm sure a lot of people are in that same boat. And it's nice that someone's out there like, hey, these things actually affect your success rate in getting pregnant and maintaining that pregnancy and having a healthy family and all that. So um, I think one thing, though, that I really like to focus on with my business is food sourcing, because You can go to the grocery store and pick organic or all natural or even things like grass fed and it doesn't necessarily mean what you think it does, which can be so frustrating for some of our customers because they're like, I eat so healthy but I still have joint pain and fatigue and brain fog and all of these stressors like what you were talking about before. And it's it's frustrating because they think they're doing the best thing they can possibly do for their body, but it's it's not quite what it seems. So if we can talk a little bit about what are some strategies for sourcing food and finding food that's nutrient-dense enough or clean enough for you to have any specific strategies where people can start on this process.
1: Yeah, so there's a couple labels that I think are good to understand, you know, what they truly mean. So some of them are like legitimately just bullshit and they're just (laughs) there to sell to you. Like all natural is, it's a literally unregulated label. FDA has no rules about who can put something on their product that says all natural. So... Like, if, if that's on something you buy, just don't even pay attention to it, you know, because it doesn't mean anything. Um, I think another one that's kind of a, a one that is confusing is, um, like, made with real fruit, you know. And there's, again, very loose standards about, you know, how much fruit actually has to be in it. But if when you look at the label, if the fruit isn't only... If fruit isn't one of the first two or three ingredients, there's minimal fruit in it. Um, again, these are gonna be on more like packaged items that you're gonna find in the inner aisles of your store. I generally try to tell people to shop around the outside of your grocery store. So usually around the outside of the grocery store, you will find produce, deli, um, meat, dairy, Around the outside, it's on the inside aisles where you're going to find cereals and fortified stuff, and you know um, all the frozen aisles with all like the, the TV dinners and stuff like that. I try to help clients to focus on shopping around the outside of the store, and if that's the best you can do, then do that to start. You know, um, and but some other ones that I think. Do apply to those areas are you might see things with like no added growth hormones, and you're like, Oh, good. But this that one's kind of a marketing scheme because the US Department of Agriculture actually prohibits the use of growth hormones on poultry, pork, and specialty meats like bison. So, only so if you pick up a thing of pork and it says no added growth hormones, that's, it means nothing because they're legally not allowed to put that in there anyway. Um, Growth hormones can be used in beef and lamb, um, but this label is often used without really any verification. It's not a heavily regulated label. Um, So if you are buying meats that say this, there's a chance that it is and there's a chance that it isn't. and so that's a tricky one. I think another one is grass-fed like you said. So there is a certification process that goes into something being grass-fed but unfortunately the parameters are loose and farms aren't often checked. So um, that a lot of times farmers might have their cows eat grass but that a doesn't mean that's the only thing they're eating, b it doesn't give any Um, information about like their living conditions and C it doesn't really tell us if they're using antibiotics on their um, animals as well so they might have been outside at some point in their life and eaten grass but they also might be eating corn or soy feed at certain times which could um, be genetically modified as it often is There is a couple certifications. If it says like American grass fed approved or food alliance certification, those are usually meaning that they were grass fed, 100% grass fed and grass finished. Um, But I think the best way to find grass fed is honestly to like find a farm near you because that allows you to ask those questions. Because after you ask for grass fed, you also have to say, well, like example in New York, We get a lot of snow here, so there's a good chance in the winter that these cows aren't only grass-fed, they're probably supplemented with some sort of feed. Um, So you want to know, is that corn or soy genetically modified, is it organic, are they given antibiotics? So that's why I feel like it's super, super helpful to go to farmers markets or go to your local farms where you can actually talk to them and ask these questions. And because if not, then you're just relying on labels in a store. And anytime you're relying on labels, the purpose of the label is to sell something to you and make it seem like a better option. So there's always a marketing scheme behind labels in the grocery store. So that's why I really encourage farmers markets. And then there's also food delivery services. that do offer some food, some nice foods like, uh, misfit markets is an okay one. Um, there's, I think Sea to table is another one. Um, we can put these in the show notes too. Okay. Um, there's, there's a few, uh, us wellness Meats is another one. Force of nature is another one. These are all like meats that you could order and they ship them to your house. Um, And then Whole Foods, if you do have a Whole Foods near you and you shop at that, they do often put different labels on their meats. Like they'll tell you if the animals, um, the way that they're raised, and they, they grade them on this scale that you can look up and kind of get more information about. But at the end of the day, like everything is kind of a marketing scheme just to get you to buy something, Um, which is really, really unfortunate and it's kind of scary as a consumer to feel like you're getting tricked. Um, But I think that if you investigate and and ask questions, that's the best, um, that's like the best way to get answers about your food. I think another, just another common one is with eggs, which is appalling to me, but like when you see like the cage free and then they literally will charge like $3 more per dozen for cage free eggs. But like cage free means nothing. Cage free means they're still locked in this little barn. They just have one foot of free space to each other, but that still doesn't mean that they're getting outside, that they're eating, you know, non-GMO feed and they're still getting like tons of antibiotics because they're all crammed in this space and they don't want all the chickens getting sick. So this one always kind of annoys me when I see people buying cage-free eggs and they think it means that they're healthier, but they're not. (laughs) Ideally, you want to look for organic and pasture-raised eggs because that ensures that they at least spent some of their time outside and that the feed that they were given was not genetically modified and organic. Um, But ideally, you could easily get this again from finding a local farm or from farmer's markets um, in your area like USDA organic, when you see like that green logo, um, those are, those foods are grown and processed within specific standards. Or when you see like the square non-GMO, those are approved through third party verification. So if you see those two labels, those ones are legitimate. But we do have to remember just because a fruit says it's organic, it doesn't mean that there's no pesticides used, it means that the type of pesticides and the way they're used are monitored and they're not using these, um, you know, like synthetic pesticides, but those two labels are good. And then, um, if you were to go to the grocery store and it, all it said was grass fed, that's going to be a better option than just buying the generic meat on the counter. Um, but again, I think it's best to talk, your local farmers go to farmers markets or use some of those uh, delivery services where you can ask questions to the company or they provide all that information up front to you.
0: I appreciate it <laughs> um, for things when you have to get something that's processed like I know a lot of people don't have time to make their own tortillas or make their own bread or th- things like that that take a long time um and sometimes people think of those things as being really hard to do are there certain things we should look for in the label like the ingredients specifically or if we don't know what something means do we just avoid it what what's your strategy when you absolutely have to buy something that's in those center aisles of the grocery store
1: yeah so um one thing that i will recommend that i love and i do use this myself is there's a sourdough it's actually a bakery website, it's called Organic Bread of Heaven, and they make sourdough and like everything. You can get tortillas, everything from them. That's a great thing to do. Um, Also though, if you're in the store and you see a label that says made with whole grains, I want you to look one step further, because made with whole grains means they're technically using the entire grain kernel, but it's a very unregulated label. And it also means that companies can take whole grains and they're putting some whole grains in it, but then they can also add refined (laughs) grains. And refined grains are void of nutrients because the way that they're processed. Um, So a better thing to look for is if it says 100% whole grains, because if it's 100% whole grains, then you're usually not going to find those refined grains in there. Um, but then you also need to look for, um, seeing if you can find one that also says non-GMO because grains are often genetically modified. So I would say if you're going to look for things like that in the store, look for things that say 100% whole grains or non-GMO. And if you were looking for something like tortillas, for example, um, you could look for, um, like corn tortillas that just say non-GMO. And then there's also a tortilla brand I like. It's from Siete, S-I-E-T-E. They make like chips and all this other stuff, but they make um, some nice tortillas too that are free of all the crap that you might find um, inside of, you know, those types of products. Um, But I think breads, in general, when you flip it over, look for ones that have, like, minimal ingredients. Like, I get, I do buy some sourdough from um, my local grocery store, and I look on the back and it says, like, unbleached flour, which is, like, what you want. And then just, like, every ingredient, I basically know what it is, and it doesn't have fortified to five vitamins. So if you look on it and it says, like, iron, B6, B1, that means they're putting synthetic versions of those vitamins into that product because they've stripped all the nutrients when they refine the grain, so they have to add them back in so it's still technically healthy for you but this is what causes things like iron overload aka having too much iron within the body which leads to tons of inflammation Um, and then some of those other vitamins there's things like folic acid in it which some people have a genetic mutation that makes their body's ability to break down and methylate the folic acid um, not as optimal so those type of people don't want to be taking in folic acid it's called mthfr that's the genetic mutation um and basically it impacts your body's ability to methylate and when you take in folic acid full acid is not in the usable form so your body has to turn it into the usable form and some people's bodies are not able to do this well um, so we don't want to be taking in all of these synthetic vitamins and if you think about how many times a day if you're eating tons of processed foods how many times a day you're taking in those synthetic vitamins um, it, it can end up being a lot you know if you're eating breakfast lunch dinner and snacks filled with processed foods
0: So when it comes to vitamins, that's one thing that that's one of the first things your doctor, your OB says when you walk in for your pregnancy appointment schedule. Um, They say, are you on a prenatal? Okay, great. Or you need to get on one. It doesn't matter what it is. Just get on one. What I know that you (laughs) are not on board with that because I learned from you what to do instead. So I want to I want to hear what you recommend and why if you're willing to share that with these folks. Of course,
1: Um, I just wanna preface this conversation that this is what I personally do and what I use with my clients, but it's not medical advice. So I'm not telling anyone to go against their doctor's recommendations. Um, But many prenatals on the market are made with really garbage ingredients. Um, And some of the more popular ones too, like some of the, like the Smarty Pants gummies, or there's a popular one called Ritual, and there's, there's tons of popular ones out there that have awful ingredients in them, or they have nutrients that are poorly made or poorly absorbed. So like one of, everyone knows one a day, like that prenatal has like the worst Forms of the nutrients available that aren't really available to your body. So then when you take them in, your body has to work to make it into the bioavailable form. And if your body is under distress, if you have digestive issues, like if your liver's taxed, it's harder to do that. Um, and then a lot of vitamins, again, we're talking about taking on too much iron. Lots of prenatals have a lot of iron. And the misconception is because. A lot of times in pregnancy, women's iron levels do come down a little bit. But if you think about it, it's because your blood volume is doubling. So your iron's just a little bit more diluted in that larger volume of blood. Um, But it doesn't mean that we need to be supplementing. I've seen prenatals that have 50 milligrams of iron a day, which is crazy. Um, So if you have a prenatal and it has a ton of iron, I would probably look into another one. There are a bunch out there that don't have any iron, and if you're one of those people that's just like, I need to take a prenatal, it makes me feel better about myself, then there is one, like Fullwell prenatal's not awful. Um, there's um, Thorn isn't awful, if you get the one that doesn't have iron. Um, There's a couple that we can link them in the show notes that, like, if it was, like, that's what it came down to and you wanted to take, then I would recommend those. Um, But overall, I I think that there's better ways to hit your nutrients. Um, And I think beef liver is probably my top recommendation. Um, It's basically nature's multivitamin. It contains tons of folate, tons of B12, tons of bioavailable iron, but that it also has all of the cofactors needed. It has tons of vitamin A in the retinol form, which is really supportive um, for baby and for mom. It helps to regulate our iron. Um, So I always recommend you can take beef liver and eat it. You can take chunks of beef liver and take one a day and take it like a shot, like raw liver or they have beef liver, desiccated beef liver supplements, which personally I have those and I recommend those for my clients. Um, But it's really about optimizing what your body needs and building a prenatal for you. But as like the basis, I would say beef liver and usually cod liver oil as well. Um, That helps to get some DHAs in, but cod liver oil is more monounsaturated fat, whereas traditional fish oils are very high in polyunsaturated fats. And polyunsaturated fats have an unstable molecular structure, so basically they're wiggly. So if they're exposed to heat, light, or temperature, those wiggly bonds can break, and those become free radicals, which we know in the body are bad and are what ultimately cause things like cancer. And They, they kill off our cells because they steal an electron from um, within our own body, so I recommend cod liver oil over those like regular omegas that you might take. Um, and then there's other some other supplements that I recommend based on like where the woman is. Um, but those two are probably my top ones, um, just because you're getting it's beef liver, it's made in nature, you know, like it's natural, and all of the nutrients are going to be 100% bioavailable for your body.
0: Awesome. Um, I can tell you're a teacher. (laughs) You're great at explaining things in a way that's just easy to understand. What age group do you teach?
1: So, I have K through five, but it's usually K and one. Okay. But during the pandemic, I actually taught um, virtual kindergarten with like 28 kindergartners.
0: So, that was very interesting. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. (laughs) Trying to get 28 kindergartners to focus on a screen must be a super challenging. (laughs) Wow. That's great. Well,
1: it was very challenging the whole school year. And then in March, we didn't use Zoom. We used Google Meet, and in March, Google Meet released this new button called "mute all." Oh, so no? I could literally just hit it and <laughs> muted all of them at once, which was amazing. Because leading up into that point, they could just unmute whenever they wanted. They oh wow! Be like, Can I tell you something? Can I tell, let me tell you something?
0: So Google's getting once with that the program now. It was. <laughs> yeah, that's hilarious. My mom's also a kindergarten teacher, yeah. and she was saying that was such a struggle just trying to get through virtual learning. And she said a bunch of her kids in her class ended up needing yeah. glasses after that year because they're staring at a screen so much. But Oh,
1: wow. But, um, yeah,
0: it's yeah. Are, kindergartners are not meant to learn on a computer. <laughs> um, so on. On this vein of nutrients and um, knowing where you're at, I know with your clients, you have you probably have a certain process for figuring out where each woman is at. How do, How do people know in general if they're getting enough nutrients, if they need to change something? Are there certain cues that you can look for, like fatigue or, I don't know, a certain feeling? Or is there a certain process people need to consider when they're either trying to conceive or going into pregnancy, like, oh, you should probably check these things out.
1: So my favorite one for, um, to find out minerals is a hair tissue mineral analysis. It's called an HTMA and you can order it right online. Um, unless you live in New York, like I do. And then New York doesn't allow tests like that, so you have to have someone in another state get it for you. Oh, but if you live in any other state but New York, <laughs> you can order this test online and they send you this little kit, and you literally just cut a little bit of your hair and you send it in, and they send you your mineral status over the last three months. Um, and that's really, really helpful. Mineral everyone thinks about vitamins and they're like, Oh, I need like folate and, and B12 for my pregnancy, and those are super super important. And you do want those, especially in the first trimester. But minerals are literally the cofactors of our body, they're little spark plugs that get all of the little things happening in our body and they help us respond to stress. So, a lot of times, I see it's so being on social media, like everyone gets. Triggered so easily and not being able to handle stress and becoming triggered so easily and suffering from things like depression and anxiety, like to me, I'm just like, oh my god, like this person needs some magnesium. Like these people <laughs> need minerals help us handle those things so much better. Um, and when we're stressed, we burn through our minerals really, really fast. And magnesium, in particular, is important for 3,700 enzyme reactions in our body, and then the other huge ones are calcium and then sodium and potassium as well. Um, so you get a, you get a really great picture when you do the hair tissue mineral analysis. It's non invasive. You don't need a doctor's prescription. It's like a hundred bucks. Um, and I usually recommend all of my clients doing that. And then in addition to telling like where each level is, it gives like mineral ratios. So like, um, There's, like, a a thyroid ratio and um, an adrenal ratio. So we can kind of look at, like, your overall stress levels and, like, what your, you know, your metabolism and thyroid are looking like. So I love to do that. And then um, I also like to look at people's metabolism in the sense of looking at, like, metabolic health markers. So what's your basal body temps like? Are you running in the 96s? That's low. You know, like, that's showing me that... Your body's probably been under stress for a long time, and it's slowing everything down to protect you. But in slowing down everything, it makes your body temp come down. Another good one is your resting heart rate. You know, is it really, really low? Again, another sign that your body's trying to conserve energy and is slowing things down. Um, How is your cycle? You know, do you have really painful periods? Um, Do you ovulate? Do you get crazy PMS before your period? What's your libido like? Um, what's your digestion like? Are you constipated? Do you poop every day? Like These are all things that really indicate like what your health status is. And when you go to the doctor, they don't do any of these things. They put you on a scale, and they're like, oh, you want to get pregnant? Well, you're a little overweight, lose weight. But weights actually doesn't indicate anything about your health. It's not a real health marker. So while, yes, being overweight can impact your fertility, it's not an accurate health measure about what your overall health is like. Because you could have someone that weighs 130 pounds and someone that weighs 160 pounds or 70 pounds, 170 pounds, and that person might be in better metabolic health than the person at 130. So I don't like to use weight a ton you know um i think the mineral status is good and then looking at overall metabolism and then as far as the vitamins go if you're eating a nutrient-dense diet full of animal proteins fruits and veggies you're probably hitting all of your other vitamins and then any that you might be missing the mark on a little bit you'll definitely fill in if you're taking the beef liver and cod liver oil So I usually just recommend the hair tissue mineral analysis. And then you could always ask your doctor for blood work if you were really curious about like your B12 or some of those other vitamins. Um, But a way that I like to have my clients recognize where they're at is they use an app called chronometer. It's like my fitness pal where you would like log your food, but chronometer is really great because if you go to the daily report option at the end of the day, it tells you what percent of all your vitamins and minerals that you've met. So I'll have my clients track a few days a week and then we'll look at particular vitamins and we try to notice trends. So like, is it trending that every week you're low in your B vitamins, or are we trending that every week we're low in zinc and copper, you know, and then from there, we'll find different nutrients and different foods that we can use to fill in some of those. I think that, um, a lot of people get stuck in like, and I think meal prepping can be great, but a lot of people are like, oh, I meal prep the same thing for lunch every single day and I eat it all week. Or they get very stuck in like, I eat the same thing for breakfast every day. And then that kind of can leave holes when we're not adding enough variety of different foods into our diet, you know. Um, so I think that's important too. But I, I really like the, the hair tissue mineral analysis and I love looking at your overall metabolism and metabolic health through those basal body temps pressing pulse rate, things like that, libido, digestion.
0: Awesome. That's great. That's super helpful. Um, I want to kind of transition over to the toxin side of things because you talked about reducing toxins in our lives. I know there's probably a ton of ways we can do that. Um, but one, I because we talked about iron overload, I kind of wanted to start off with something I've heard a lot of people talk about, and that's using cast iron pans. Um, I, some people say that's contributing to iron overload and I'm curious what your thoughts are on that.
1: So technically, yes, using cast iron can leach iron into your foods. Um, so if you were somebody that had a lot of iron overload, you might want to reduce the use of how often you use cast iron, but I do think overall cast iron is a really great cooking option. I think cast iron, um, ceramic and stainless steel, and obviously glass, the glass is tricky to use, but I think those three are like your best options for cooking and I think if you're switching up what you use during the week, then you're not gonna have a ton of iron overload from cast iron if you're only using it, you know, one to three times and you switch up what you use. if someone told me, like, I have a nonstick pan or cast iron, but I have iron, like, I'm worried I have iron overload, I would still tell them to use cast iron over the nonstick because, um, the chemicals that are being leached into your food from a non-stick pan are, have far worse health issues than what you're going to get from the cast iron, um, but mostly we get iron overload. It, yes, we get some from cast iron, but it's mostly from fortified foods. Um, so, you know, cereals, you could, I, I did a post on this, but like you can pull, you could take a magnet to cereal and separate the iron from the cereal. Oh That's how so much iron is fortified cereals. And kids eat this every day. I mean, I ate cereal growing up every day for breakfast or. You know, Pop-Tarts, breads, pastas, like, everything that, like, an 80s or 90s kid grew up on. And even kids today, like, was iron fortified. And, but then, like, all these people are, like, iron iron deficient or they have anemia. And it's, like, it's literally impossible. Everything we eat is fortified with iron. And it's because we don't have a true understanding of how iron works in our body. So it's not really that you're... Your you don't have enough iron. It's that your iron is dysregulated because our body has an iron recycling system. So basically, it takes vitamin A, copper, and iron, and it takes the iron that you take in through your diet, and it um, regulates it. And each day, it can reproduce the amount of iron you need, except one milligram. So in reality, if your iron recycling system is working properly, you only need to take in one milligram of iron a day to meet your needs for the day. But what happens is uh, copper is depleted in so many of our foods that we would normally get it in through poor farming and soil practices. So we're not getting a ton of copper and vitamin A as in retinol is in lots of animal foods and in the 80s and 90s everyone deemed red meat awful for you because of heart disease which we now know like is not true but people are still scared to eat things like butter and dairy and red meat because of this fear so we don't have enough copper we're not getting enough retinol but we're getting overdose of iron and what happens is our body's like hey i can't regulate this iron so it just tries to move it out of the way and it puts it into our tissues and our organs and this is why we have all of this inflammation you want to know why your joints hurt Inflammation from like all of this iron. So when we get ample copper and ample retinol We can start to move some of that iron out of our tissues and regulate it. Another thing is um, Women naturally do Lose iron through like when we bleed for our periods Um, and actually women Technically live seven years on average longer than men and it's because we bleed through periods because men don't really have any point in their life where they're bleeding unless they have some sort of like accident or surgery technically the iron doesn't ever have a time to leave their body um so this is why too for women that are on birth control some of them make them a lose their period so they go for years without bleeding or b they're on the hormonal pill where they do technically have a bleed but it's an it's not a real bleed, and the pills that they take during that week are full of iron. So, you know, we're just, we have so much, there's 75 milligrams of iron in every one of those birth control pills that you take during the week of your fake period. So, yeah, I think that if you are struggling with iron overload, don't worry about giving up your cast iron, instead go donate blood. That's a really great way to dump some of that excess iron and have you, you know, feeling better.
0: Wow. That's, that's a benefit to donating blood that I've never thought about.
1: <laughs> yeah, it helps, it helps you get rid of iron um, and you can donate blood, I think like every four months. So you could, you know, do it regularly and, you know, help your body get rid of some of that excess iron mm-hmm. while also trying to include more copper and retinol. In your diet which you can get through you know oysters and shellfish and dairy and meat so by doing those two things you could really help the iron um rather than giving up
0: like you know the cast iron okay that's fascinating are there any other general tips you have for mitigating um, toxins in our lives? I know that's a huge question, but <laughs> just to I, mean, I, think,
1: I think that if you are still drinking tap water, that that should be an area that you really, you know, I think in general, think about what are the things I'm exposed to the most, or on the biggest part of my body. So like, If you're putting lotion all over your body your skin is your biggest organ so you're absorbing a lot of that if you're using I mean we drink water all day but we also wash our hands shower with it wash our face brush our teeth so like all of that water has toxins and I can send you a link where um, if you're on public water not well water but if you're on public water you can type in your address, and it'll tell you every single contaminant that's in your water, in your tap water. Um, and it'll it ranges from like heavy metals to pharmaceuticals. There's like birth control in water because people flush their pills down the toilet, you know. And so there's tons of toxins. There's other things like chlorine and fluoride, and just things that you should be avoiding. Um, and I think getting also like shower and bath like bath filters are important because when you shower, if you have tons of chlorine in your water, you're basically like showering with hot bleach, kind of, you know, so um, I think those are important. You can get shower filters that just hook onto your shower off of Amazon. Those are relatively cheap, or you could do like a whole house filtration system, which automatically filters all of your water. Those can be very expensive, but if you were going to start, I would order one on Amazon that at least filters out the chlorine so you're not showering in that, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, or drinking it, obviously. You want the water filter for that as well. And then the other ones I think that are ones that you use, Think about products you use every day or on the large parts of your body so what does your body lotion look like um if you wear the same makeup every day your shampoo and conditioner because there's tons of chemicals in those products that mimic estrogen in your body and as it is women on a whole have lots of excess estrogen as it is and then we add in these products that mimic estrogen so then it's just more estrogen in our body um, things like phylates for example that's one that mimic estrogen um, and parabens are not great either um, parabens are preservatives that are going to be in your makeup and beauty products and then phylates are binders um, and they're found in perfumes cosmetics beauty products um, for parabens if you were like look if you wanted to know if it was in your product if you flipped it over it'll usually end in paraben. So it'll say like methylparaben or something paraben. So you could see that. As far as phylates go, um, avoid anything that has the word fragrance or parfum, P-A-R-F-U-M, in them. Or if you flip over the bottle it comes in, if it's in a plastic bottle, if it has a little three with like a triangle, avoid that also. Um, And those are some ways to like reduce your phylates, um, some other ones are, uh, check your deodorant cause like aluminum is, you know, found in a lot of deodorants and you're literally putting it in your armpits and your lymph nodes are right there. So it's just absorbing all of that. Um, And then also, another big one that I think women don't think about is like the products you use during your period, pads, tampons, all of that, a lot of them are bleached, and then you're putting that in you and wearing it for hours each day for like a week. Um, So I would look at cleaning up those as well, just because you don't want to have, you know, bleach basically inside of you or right next to you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's a couple of accounts that I, and I know it's like overwhelming and to uphold all of your products is huge. So I always tell everyone like when, when something runs out, choose to just buy a cleaner version the next time you buy it, you know? Mm-hmm. And, um, I think there's a lot of accounts out there that have really good products. Um, there's two that I really like on Instagram and they'll literally show like, poor, like, they'll rate products from, like, worst to best. And then you can choose to just, you know, sub out one of the poor recommendations with a better one. It's um, Toxin-Free Tay. And we can put this in the show notes. Toxin-Free Tay and then um, another one called Just Ingredients. Um, but they basically, like, look through all these products and then they make these perfect little posts for you so you know exactly, like, what the clean versions are. Um Those are some some helpful resources because it takes like the work out of it And you can just look on there, but I say like when your shampoo runs out just choose To get a cleaner version and the next time your toothpaste runs out just replace it with a cleaner version and slowly over time you'll be cleaning up and reducing your exposure to those toxins and then um, another great thing that you can do to also support your body detoxing is um, using castor oil packs So you just get like a flannel um, and then you put castor oil on it and you put it kind of over your liver and you can put it on for anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour or you can just sleep in it. Um, And basically it promotes lymphatic drainage, it reduces inflammation and it supports your liver so that your liver can help detox your body from those toxins that you're getting exposed to. Awesome. But don't use castor oil packs if you're pregnant.
0: (laughs) I was going to ask about that because I've heard people use it to induce labor naturally when they're getting close to the end. So I was curious.
1: Use it when you're pregnant. And then if you're trying to conceive and you're in like the two-week wait where you don't know if you're pregnant yet, I would just avoid using the castor oil until you either confirm that you're pregnant or not. And then you can start using it again.
0: Okay. That makes sense. I had someone uh, ask specifically about tea and coffee, and I've heard people talk about how there's toxins in those, not because of the caffeine, but because of um, mycotoxins, because the way that they're processed. I was curious what you think if if caffeine's something that you you just say avoid or anything you have to say about teas and coffees.
1: Yeah, so unfortunately, a lot of a lot of coffee actually, um, if it's poorly processed, um, can actually like have mold in it and things like that. And then for teas, um, a lot of times the way they're practiced uh, processed or the bags that they come in have toxins in them. Um, So I would recommend getting organic coffee, but there's actually a brand that tests for mold and all of that is called purity. Um, so I do recommend that coffee because you know, you're getting, you know, organic coffee that doesn't have mold and other things in it. Um, and then as far as teas, um, look for ones that are like third party tested for those toxins. Um, traditional medicinal, which that's a brand of tea. Um, they don't have any of those things in their bags or in their products, um, and they're organic. You can usually get those right in the grocery store. Um, but then as far as if it doesn't say then it's on the box that it's third-party tested or that it doesn't have that, then it's probably not toxin-free, basically. Okay. Um, so those are the two that I recommend. Um especially just like during that time when you're pregnant and you're growing another human, you know, like obviously when you're not pregnant, you can roll the dice and choose what you want to choose for your own health. But when you're trying to, when you're impacting your baby's health, you know, I'm always just a little bit more mindful then.
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I had one person ask about the Brewer's Diet. I had never heard of that before. Have you heard of that? And what are your thoughts on that?
1: Ron Brewer was an OBGYN, and in the 1950s and 60s, he um, did a study with these women that um, had preeclampsia, and he put them on this diet called the Brewer's Diet, and they all healed from their preeclampsia. He was basically saying that preeclampsia is caused by abnormal blood volume from mal- malnutrition. Basically, he was saying women eat too low calories, they don't eat enough protein, and they limit salt. And when you have those three factors, in addition to having extra blood volume, it can cause women to have preeclampsia, which is diagnosed through high blood pressure, edema, which is like swelling of hands and feet or overall body, and then also having protein in your urine. But preeclampsia can cause lots of risks for mom and baby. Um, So obviously, usually like if women have it, a lot of times their doctor will induce them. That's how serious um, of a condition it can be. Um, So basically the brewer's diet is the understanding that you're going to eat 2,600 calories a day, 80 to 120 grams of protein, you'll include salt, and you are under the idea that you have unrestricted weight gain during your pregnancy. Um, I think he gets some parts right, but I think some of the information, you know, this is from the 50s and 60s, and I think some of the information is a little bit outdated. Um, and I think there's easier ways to kind of incorporate what he says. So basically, he has like this strict protocol that you have to follow every day. So you have to include milk products, calcium products. You have to eat two eggs every day. You have to include certain amount of protein, certain amount of dark green veggies, certain amount of whole grains, vitamin C foods, fats, vitamin A foods. You have to eat four ounces of liver a week. Um, (laughs) You have unlimited salt intake and you have unlimited water. (laughs) So... In theory yeah this is kind of just if you eat foods like this you're gonna hit all of your nutrients you know so um, it makes it kind of makes sense where I think it goes wrong is um, for the whole grains he recommends things like cereal and granola and bagels and we know all of those things are you know made with really poor ingredients fortified with irons and also probably sprayed with like glyphosate and all these other things that aren't super helpful and are going to give us toxins. So I don't really agree with that part. Under the fats and oil section, he tells you, you can eat a tablespoon of vegetable oil or a tablespoon of
0: mayo
1: or a tablespoon of margarine. And I'm just like, no,
0: he
1: does say butter, but like I think telling women to incre- like put a tablespoon of vegetable oil or margarine in their food is not great pregnancy <laughs> advice. Um, I love that he tells me to include four ounces of liver. I like that he says that you should use salt and include salt, although he does recommend um, iodized salt, like table salt, which I don't love. I would rather see women using you know, sea salt Um, And then the other thing I don't love is he says to include lots of vitamin A rich foods like sweet potato, apricots, carrots. And I'm like, well, those give you beta carotene vitamin A, which your body then has to turn into real vitamin A. And some people, when their body's under a lot of stress, don't convert that well. So a lot of times they're not going to actually be getting a lot of that vitamin A. I would rather see people get vitamin A through, like, cod liver oil and, you know, meats and things like that. Um, so I think there's, like, some things that are he does well and some things that aren't. Things that I think he does well are telling women to eat a lot of calories to include 80 to 100 grams of protein. I think, um, or up to 120, I think 100 or more is minimal amount that... All women should be eating but definitely when you're pregnant um, I think the salt thing is really important and I think the not worrying about your weight is also important not that doesn't mean that you're pregnant and you're naturally now just eating for two and you can eat whatever you want but I think the diet culture tells us we should only gain 25 pounds and we should be able to bounce back six weeks after having a baby and I think that puts a lot of stress and um, unnecessary you know, expectations on women that aren't healthy for them or baby. Yeah. Um, so, but he was saying that when women only eat, let's say, 60 grams of protein a day, they're naturally going to be eating less calories. So basically your body has to use a lot of that protein just to for you, for energy. So then baby is getting a lot less protein. Whereas if you eat 120 grams, baby is getting a lot more protein. And I think it said something like, when your uterus is not pregnant, it weighs two ounces or something. And when your uterus is full term, it weighs like two pounds. Oh, my gosh. And all of that growth, yeah, And all of that growth comes from protein. Protein is the building blocks of our body. So that's why he's saying the protein, the calories, and the salt are so important to help reduce preeclampsia. I think that you could do a version of this diet and basically just eat. Ample protein, ample calories, include saturated fats, and you know, make sure you're including salt in the diet. And I think you could have the same outcome.
0: So for people so. who have no concept of what 120 grams of protein looks like, do you have a do you have a basic reference? Like, what would that look like in a yeah, day? Yeah. So,
1: so for breakfast, I think. Um, it's easy to get protein for breakfast and I think it's pretty easy to get protein for dinner just based on like foods that people eat. But if you have like two eggs and then you put two egg whites in it, that's going to be like almost 20 grams of protein right there. Um, I love to, you know, for a snack, I might have a cup of bone broth with some collagen in it. That's 20 grams of protein right there. For lunch, I might have some sort of, you know, like chicken or seafood or meat with a with a fruit or something, that could be another 25 grams. I think dinner is easy when you have steak or chicken or something like that, another 25 to 30 grams. Basically, if you get 25 grams each meal, and then in each snack, you have 10 to 15, you're going to be at 100, you okay. know. Um, I think, like, in a glass of, if you had a glass of raw milk, there's 8 grams of um, protein. So if you had a a glass of milk with a small snack, like right there, you know, a cheese stick might have six grams of protein, little snacks that you can add in to kind of get you there. I think women are always like, Oh my God, a hundred grams. That sounds so much, but in reality, it's not that much. And I think if when, um, that's why I like to have women track their food for a few days a week in the chronometer app, like I was saying, because it helps us see what their overall macronutrients are throughout the day, like how many carbs, protein, and fat they're eating. And then we can make small tweaks from there to, to find ways to get more protein in
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, that way.
0: So one snack that I used to rely heavily on was jerky before I got pregnant. And now... I've gone back and forth with the nitrate thing. What is what is your thoughts? What are your thoughts on nitrates in meat products? Do you think that's a toxin? Should we try to avoid it completely or just moderate it?
1: Yeah, I would just moderate it. Um, You know, I think that there's also bacon that's nitrate free that you might be able to find. But I think that in I think everything in moderation and if overall every day you're gonna be under eating protein or subjecting yourself to a little nitrates here and there, I think I would take the latter like the, the first one, you know? Like yeah. I'd rather have you hit your protein than under eat protein every day, just to avoid once in a while getting nitrates. Um I think Greek yogurt's a great option for protein. Um shrimp like uh, like shrimp cocktail, like just shrimp that you take the tail off and pop in. Those are basically like pure protein. Um, oysters, clams, basically pure protein. Um, but the, the cocktail shrimp's super easy because you can like get it in a bag and you can find it wild caught pretty easily and just pop the tails off. And like, I think like three ounces of shrimp will be like 25 grams of protein. So, um, and then Greek yogurt's great. Um, and then I, I love including bone broth every day. I have bone broth every day with collagen and each collagen is 10 grams, bone broth 10 grams. So then you got 20 grams together. Um, there's really easy ways to get it up. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't, I, I think it's more important to hit your protein.
0: Okay. That makes sense. Anything else yeah. that you think we haven't gone over that's really important that you want to tell people who are curious about this? Um,
1: I just think that if, you are struggling if you're going to start trying to conceive or if you're struggling to conceive. I just want everyone to remember, first of all, that your health is going to be your baby's health and it's going to be impact your grandchildren's health. So I think the idea of rushing fertility or the like a lot of women try to get pregnant, doesn't work. They get IVF, you know, they have their baby. And I'm so grateful that there are services and procedures and things like IVF for people that truly need it. But I think that because the, you know, fertility industry is a billion-dollar industry, just because a doctor can put a baby in you doesn't mean your body's healthy or ready necessarily to create a healthy baby, you know? And I think people are like, no, my baby's fine. Like, there And I'm like, there's going to be, there's underlying things that all babies have, even if you're, super healthy. You can't change what your grandma ate that impacted you. That's going to impact, you know? So like, I think that being the healthiest version of yourself is one of the best things you can do rather than just being like, well, I want to have a baby by the time I'm 30 or I want to have, you know what I mean? Because it really impacts your baby's health. Not only like how well they'll do in school, but like their risk for asthma increasing their risk for You know later chronic illness there there's so many things that can impact your your future baby and then their babies and their babies like we're talking like generational things here so (laughs) you are what your grandma ate so i think that really trying to be your healthiest self is so important and if you are living day to day with symptoms we have to try to like alleviate those symptoms and figure out where the dysfunction is coming from before you get pregnant, because you're still going to have that when you're pregnant and your baby's going to be exposed to it. So, um, I think that that's probably the biggest, you know, the biggest takeaway.
0: That's an interesting, uh, context because a lot of people think about self care and really honing in on their own health as kind of selfish, but it's almost a generational responsibility at that point. Cause it's not just us. It's, it's <laughs> it's pretty serious. So thank you. I really appreciate yeah. that that insight. Yeah. Um, where can people find out more about what you do and all these awesome contributions you have made to this field? And how can they get help from you if they want to work with you? What's the best way to go about all that?
1: Oh, I'm on. TikTok and Instagram as Mama Eats. It's M-A-M-A-E-A-T-S-S. So there is two S's at the end. Um, I have a website, MamaEats.com. And um, if you are like new to all of this type of learning and it seems crazy and wild to you, um, I do invite you to download my freebie in my bio. And it's basically like the first steps to healing. And it's kind of like um, just an intro and it will help kind of explain things and get you on the right track. And then, um, from there, I also do one-on-one coaching and I am coming out with a course later this year, which will be self-paced, um, for women to help, you know, get their healing journey started. But I encourage people to really take ownership of their own health and understand that, just because a doctor or the medical field or a, your your family or just because someone said something doesn't necessarily mean that that's how it has to be, you know. And I think I think I had to unlearn a lot of things that society and doctors taught me in order to be open to this type of healing. But um, it's it's possible to heal. Like I. I have so many people comment, especially like on TikTok. I feel like people just like to comment, but they're like McDonald's and sleep doesn't impact your fertility. And I'm like, okay. And, and to me, that just shows me like, they're not ready to, to be open to this type of healing. You know, like there's almost like an ignorance when you truly just trust what the government and doctors say, you know? So I think there sometimes has to be a little bit of unlearning in order to open yourself up to truly heal.
0: And maybe a little bit of magnesium deficiency, too. <laughs> yeah. Take your
1: money. Go take enough
0: up some salt back. Awesome. Um, I did want to plug our giveaway really quick because Meg and I are doing a giveaway yes. that ends uh, August 31st, and we're teaming up. So if you want to talk briefly about your contribution to that giveaway so people know what they'll get if they win.
1: Yeah, so it'll be a complete first initial evaluation like I would do with a one-on-one client. So we'll do um, a symptom analysis. Um, You'll answer these questions and it'll pinpoint areas of uh, need in your body. We'll do metabolic health markers, like I said. I'll look over all your lab work. We'll do some food and mood journals. We'll kind of track your food for a little bit, see where you're at. Um, And then we'll basically build a protocol with nutrition supplements and lifestyle things based on your needs um, that you can then go and implement.
0: Awesome. That sounds wonderful. I wish I would have done that before I got pregnant, but maybe next time. (laughs) But um, we're also going to throw in some of our products because I truly believe that the world could use a little more clean and honest food, and so we're gonna throw in some of our grass-finished organ meats, some broth bones, and then some of the products that I learned to use from Meg, like bee pollen, um, raspberry leaf tea, some homemade tallow balm one of my friends in Colorado made, and uh, things like progesterone drops and vitamin E oil and things like um, nettle leaf tea uh so i'm really excited to throw all this stuff together and offer it to someone to help them on their either trying to conceive journey or their pregnancy journey or even maybe their postpartum journey but i'm super excited i'm so grateful that we got to have this conversation i had so many questions and i was so excited so thank you so much for your time is there anything else you want to add to this thank you
1: No, I think that that covers it. Thank you so much for organizing the giveaway and all the things you're giving away are amazing. Do you ship to New York is what I
0: need to know. We do. We're we're kind of struggling. Yeah, we ship nationwide. It's a little challenging. Um, We're still in the learning phase because this is our first year trying to ship nationwide. Uh, So we're still working on some of the kinks if you're really far away like new york because we're in southeast wyoming so we're (laughs) quite a ways away from you but we have shipped to all over the east coast i have a csa member who's in maine and we've made it work so um if you're interested in products that far away i always try to work with people to find a more local option just because i believe that's more sustainable and i want to promote that but if you need something that Is from us. I'll figure out a way to get it to you, and we have that ability. So, yeah. (laughs) Awesome. Thank you. Well, thank you for what
1: you do. Thank you for putting smart farming practices into place and making really (laughs) great products.
0: We're trying our best, so we'll see if we can't get better all the time. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us for that awesome episode with Megan Badger. I hope you enjoyed it as much, if not more, than I did. I just didn't want Megan to stop talking. She has so much insight, and I learned so much, and I really hope that you guys did too. I hope that her tips help you keep your diet on track or get it even closer to your ideal for your family and for yourself. And um, I hope we can help you get a little closer to your goals of either trying to conceive or supporting your pregnancy or having a smoother transition through postpartum. Pass it along to friends if you know of anyone who is wanting to be pregnant or in the process of growing their baby right now or who just had a baby and is postpartum and needs that extra nutrition support. We are so excited to help with someone's pregnancy journey. And we look forward to talking to you guys on social media. And I look forward to you joining us for the very next Taste of the Wind episode. Thanks for tuning in. I'll talk to you guys later.